Hello, welcome to Feed, Play, Love, the bite-sized podcast for parents. I'm Siobhan Hunt. This is a show all about parenting. I speak to experts and carers about everything from fussy eating, toddler behaviour, sleep and more. A baby has to be one of the greatest catalysts for change you can have in your life. On a very practical level, it changes your sleep patterns, how you spend your time and who you spend time with. On an emotional and philosophical level, it can change your very sense of self. Yana Firestone is a therapist, host of the podcast This Curious Life and author of a new book called Embracing Change. Hi, Yana. Welcome to Feed, Play, Love. Hi, Siobhan. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, To start uh, at one of the biggest changes in your life, you lost your mum when you were in your 20s. Um, I'm wondering how or whether that kind of loss gave you perspective on the role of big change in life. Mm, Absolutely. I think there's been no greater change in my life than that loss. Uh, You know, we lost mum very suddenly when I was 21. And, you know, at that time I was just a little party girl. All I was interested in was hanging out with my friends and my boyfriend at the time. And I was just on the cusp of maturing into a, a young adult, really. And so I I really felt like the loss was not just the immediate loss, but it was the loss of the future relationship that I could have had with my mum that certainly today would have been, you know, everything I, I could dream of, all of the things she wanted to do when I was 21, I wasn't interested in at the time. And it really just changed every single facet of my life in the biggest way and I think it continues to do so almost two decades later the the loss changes and the meaning changes but I think as you were saying it does sort of set you up in a terrible way for that ability to bounce back you know the worst thing in the world has happened and you got through it so the big changes that happen in our lives it gives you that perspective on being able to move through the hardest parts and know that there's hope on the other side. In what ways did that experience, do you think, affect the way you then went through the change that comes when you had your first baby? Well, again, having having that first baby, I think that I had no concept of how much of a dramatic change that would bring to my life. I think I I knew in a sort of idealistic way, yes, I'm going to be short on sleep and my life's going to be totally different. But that first baby, I remember the first two weeks of being at home with him and just feeling like, I had been run over by a train <laughs> and I didn't know which way was up, you know, and my partner was awake with me for all the feedings and all the changes. <laughs> we were doing everything together. It was like we were just terrified and thrilled and excited and 
um, you know, you're just second guessing everything, you know, should I do this? Should I change him? Has he fed enough? And the little things like recording which boob he'd fed from (laughs) how many exact minutes and not knowing when I could leave the house to go for a walk or to go to the shops because God forbid I'd have to change his nappy or suddenly feed him or not know what to do out in the wild. So, you know, the change was dramatic after that first baby. And I think in some sense, having been through those that earlier loss and life change so dramatically, I do think it gave me some of the tools, some of that resilience to bounce through some of that. But honestly, uh, becoming a parent for the first time, there's really nothing like it, is there? <laughs> no. Um, and listen, I have heard that if you, uh, women who've lost um, their own mother mm-hmm. can find childbirth quite traumatic in other ways, like not maybe trauma, traumatic's not the right word, but um, it can often re-evoke the grief that they felt when they lost their own mother or it just has a different kind of nuance to it once you've if you've lost your own mother I'm wondering if you had a similar experience yeah it's interesting I I didn't really experience that around the birth my first born was very much in a hurry and decided four weeks before he was due that he was ready to just burst on out and um that's completely his personality he has has not stopped (laughs) that is totally him in a hurry doesn't stop doesn't sit still, you know. Um, but though, but the, the, I guess the grief became more pronounced for me as I sort of went along. So yeah. the birth, I think I was just in kind of survival adrenaline mode, like what is going on? Oh, my God, I'm having a baby, an actual baby, <laughs> like what? Um, and then, you know, it's all of those little things, wishing she was there and wishing she could share in all of those moments and when things got hard, you know, you sort of feel that that sense where you want to just pick up the phone and call her, which is so strange because she'd been gone for so long at that point. And that was the kind of like phantom loss feeling that you have immediately after the loss where something happens and you just have an instant urge to pick up the phone and then you realise, oh, I can't. Um, So I sort of had that urge again. And to be fair, you know, my dad has always been an amazing support and he really stepped in um I guess not in mum's place he's never tried to be mum he's very different to mum and his style of love and nurturing is completely different to mum's but he's been there and so solid and I'm very close with my dad so I could pick up the phone to my dad 20 times a day and say I'm feeling a bit lonely today or you know, this is really hard or I don't know what to do or I'm so excited like he smiled at me today or whatever it was. And I've also got this incredible network of friends and family. So my mum's sister is like another mum to me and she was absolutely there. My cousins are like my siblings and they were absolutely there. So it was a time of feeling completely supported but also at the same time there's that hole that 
sort of never gets filled. Now, you are currently pregnant with your third child. Yes, might be time to get me committed, I think. (laughs) (laughs) I love the idea of a big family. I always say we didn't have a third because I was too old by the time we started. But um, Mm. one thing that was definitely, I think, a surprise for me was just how much a second baby can change things. So in some respects you think, oh, I've been here before, I know what's going on, I know what to expect. But, of course, each child brings its own dynamic into the family and kind of the ripple effect or the changes that come from that are inevitable. What was it like when you had your second child in terms of change? Well, it's really interesting, you know, my second came along and he was a very good boy, just waited until he was supposed to come out. (laughs) And again, that's his personality. He's very chilled. He's not in a hurry. He's really, um, you know, a a really kind of relaxed little soul. But, you know, my my two-year-old at the time was still that very much in a hurry, impulsive, you know, overactive little person. So the focus had to be on him a little bit. Mm. And I actually found it was really, it was a really um, kind of awful feeling that I was feeling stressed by him and overwhelmed by him just because of he, he was a two-year-old whose brain was, you know, nowhere near ready to process what was really going on. And he was divine, absolutely loved his little brother, but his love was really uh, full on. So he'd want to grab him and kiss him and pull his head closer to him so he could squeeze him with love. (laughs) And I spent the whole time in panic and anxiety that he was going to kill the baby or, you know, (laughs) poke his eye out or squash his eye. So for us, you know, my partner spent a lot of time taking him out and spending a lot of that one-on-one time with our two-year-old to give me that space to just be with the baby and feed him and have that time. But I have to admit as well, it was probably about 10 weeks into having Spence uh, that I decided to start the podcast. And (laughs) Of course you did. (laughs) You know, nothing else to do. Um, (laughs) And, you know, doing all of that on my own, it, it was like a completely vertical learning curve. I just figured everything out on my own and thanks to Google I could do that but it meant that my poor little second born was sort of relegated to the sides a little bit um, in a way that my first born would never have been. I absolutely doted on my first baby. Every single moment I spent with him was magical just as you know as scary and full-on as it was as well but I was just you know drawn in by every little thing that he was doing and my second it was sort of like oh yeah well he's sleeping what do I do now Um, (laughs) you know (laughs) feed him pat him cuddle him put him down and he was he just adapted to that and I think you know because of that he's so much more independent now you know he can Mm. play happily on his own he's very happy making up his own little games and doesn't need my attention the same way my eldest does. So their sort of introductions to life and to our family were completely different, I think, because of 
all of that change that was going on. Now, this book that you have written, Embracing Change, is, of course, a manual for all kinds of situations. But I wanted to kind of delve into how your approach to change in this book might help parents because it kind of touched on your own experience, which sounds um, fairly standard, I would say. But I think one of the things that is unfortunately also very common, particularly for new mothers, but it's also um, new fathers as well, is that there can be a lot of anxiety. So there is, of course, postnatal anxiety where, you know, women um, may, I know that with uh, my sister-in-law, for example, she was um, so wound up by the time she got to go to sleep, she just couldn't sleep which is every new parent's worst nightmare, no pun intended, because you're just desperate for sleep, but the anxiety that's created throughout the day, worrying about the baby, the baby crying, those stress Mm. levels going up and up and up. Um, I'm wondering how you might apply the advice from your book to women uh, who might be experiencing anxiety after having their first baby or second or third? Well, I think, first of all, as particularly as women, um, we're always putting ourselves under pressure and there's almost that, I guess, societal pressure in a way to be the, the best mum and to make sure that we're doing the best by our child and sometimes doing the best is just keeping them alive, you know, feeding them loving them, cuddling them, and and making sure that they've got everything they need. And, you know, there's so much information that just gets cycled around on social media and and in the mainstream media too about different ways we should be doing things. We should be following this sleep routine and our babies should be achieving these milestones at these exact moments. And I remember the best advice my dad gave me, who's actually a psychiatrist and was a child psychiatrist for a very long time. And I remember talking to him about mother's group and how we all would get together and there was that undercurrent of not outward competition. Nobody was trying to, you know, make anyone feel bad, but everyone was talking about this this child's doing this, my baby's doing that, mine's not doing this yet, and just feeling like, well, there's all this pressure. Oh, should I be doing more tummy time? Oh, should I be uh, thinking about solids? Why are they doing solids? I haven't even thought about that yet. Um, (laughs) And, you know, there's just that constant feeling of not being enough or not doing enough. And my dad said to me, you know what? They all make it, you know, everyone gets there at the same time, at a different time, but they all get there by about three. They're all doing the same thing. They're all eating, talking, walking, all of those things. So does it matter if at eight weeks they're doing this or if it's at 12 weeks? Um, And I think that helped me alleviate some of that pressure, that social pressure. But I think as well in terms of the anxiety, which can be so very real for so many of us, it's really important to set boundaries And maybe make decisions for yourself around how much content you're going to consume 
you know, perhaps if you want to find something out, you're curious about something, have a look, read into it, and then put the phone away and don't drive yourself crazy going into the forums and looking at all those mummy bloggers on Instagram who only give us the highlight reel of how wonderful their lives are and how easy things are or a sort of one look at maybe how hard that day was but it looks like a picture perfect life in every other way. Yeah and I I just think the other thing as well is we really forget about our self-care as a new parent and we just sort of become these baby making machines we've got to feed them and stick to the routine and all of those things where you feel like your entire day in fact it's not even a day they're 24 hour cycles you know it's throughout the night throughout the day and and we just become about the baby so it's so important if you have a partner to make sure they're included make sure they're doing some of the feeds or taking time with the baby so that you're freed up to watch TV or go for a walk or have a coffee with a friend, do the things that make you feel like a real person again and not just, you know, the production line for the little person. Because that can really shrink your world, can't it? I mean, Mm. when you were talking about all of those things, um, the word that came back to me was perspective because I know that with both my babies, but particularly my first, I was so drawn into that world and did all those things, you know, when I had the most beautiful mother's group and I loved Mm. every single one of them. But all it took, like you said, was someone to be, had started solids or someone, nobody was using squishies. They were all, you know, cooking organically. And then, and then, freezing it and all this stuff that (laughs) because my world had shrunk to this gorgeous little baby, Mm -hmm. um, my sense of perspective went out the window. So all those things you say make perfect sense to me now. Yeah. But I just did not have that sense of perspective that, you know, come three years of age they're all going to be okay and it won't matter if I made them organic pumpkin mush. (laughs) exactly that cooking pressure really got to me I'm just not a kitchen person and so that was really like oh my god what I should be making everything myself but you know you're absolutely right it's so hard when you're in the bubble because that's your entire world and Mm. you're not thinking about everything else beyond that and it's like the midwives say you know what's important is a a fed baby doesn't matter how they get fed breastfed bottle fed squishy homemade of course there's the best we could be doing a hundred percent of everything ourselves or we can find somewhere on the spectrum that fits in with our lives okay so it's got to be a packet today you know but that's okay tomorrow I'll try and do some pumpkin and some sweet potato from home and see what I can do but we have to find ways to make sure that all the other parts of ourselves that existed before the baby are still there because that baby's going to grow up and then what's left for us one thing you don't want to feed through to parenthood is um, that idea of perfectionism <laughs> and you know I didn't actually think I was a perfectionist I thought maybe I just had high standards (laughs) but not even that and I think that um 
what you described there in terms of what we expect of ourselves when we become a parent, it's like the most fertile grounds Mm. for perfectionism at the last point of time that you would want it. So you don't want to try and be a perfectionist as a new parent because it's hard enough as it is, but it's like all of those ideas about what is best for your baby and not having that perspective makes you even more keen to do everything perfectly. So mm. you you want to make sure they have the food and you know you know you should sleep when the baby sleeps you're still picking up clothes or yeah. I don't know if you see that how it kind of actually is the perfect um, scenario to even become more of a perfectionist. Mm. Absolutely. And you know, I talk about perfectionism in the book for those reasons, because I think there are so many areas of our lives where we may not even realise that perfectionism is creeping in and that striving to do everything at the best of your ability when sometimes just done is better than perfect. And I know that's a a phrase that gets thrown around a lot, but just, you know, if if the clothes can wait, let them wait. You know, if you need a sleep, make sure you're getting that sleep. If you just want to watch TV, try to let go of that anxiety that the house needs to be in order because someone might drop in. You know, if someone drops in and they see the house in disarray, let them see the reality. You know, you're mm. a new parent and the the stresses and the chaos that comes with that is a reality of life. And if we all just pretend everything's okay and have to try and be on our best game all the time, the only person that's going to affect is us and we're going to become more stressed and more anxious and then that will have a flow-on effect to our parenting. Yeah, and it it also reminds me, um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the School of Life, uh, the philosopher Mm. Alain de Botton. He writes about the word average and how somehow in the modern world average has become equated with somehow less than but the word average is more closer to the meaning of normal Mm. so average is just literally that more people feel more people are average it's just what it is it's not that you're less than it's Mm. just a reality it's a statistical fact but for some reason we've all put ourselves on this level on this ideal that we need to be extraordinary yes and that's where the pressure comes from absolutely yeah it's such an interesting one isn't it because the average is you know the majority of people Um, when we talk even from a statistical point of view the average is you know what you would consider the majority so if we're doing what the majority is doing isn't that great Yes. Um, (laughs) There'll be moments when we want to be exceptional, um, but we can't be that all the time. And when we're focused on trying to be exceptional all the time, other things are going to suffer as a result. And so it's all about balance really, isn't it? We've got to try and find a way to give enough energy to all the things in our lives, which is hard enough in itself. So if you're giving 100% to every facet of your life, you're going to burn out and 
you know, that would be the worst place for a new parent to be. We don't often talk about anger when it comes to the experience of being a a new parent, Mm. but I definitely found that some of the changes that can come from having a new human in your world that's completely dependent on you, such as uh, for many women there's an increased domestic burden. Mm. You mentioned there there's a loss of freedom you mentioned earlier, you know, not even knowing when you can go out to the shops or Mm. go for a walk. Those sorts of things can produce resentment and anger. Mm. How would you navigate that when it surfaces? Well, first of all, I think the most important thing to do in that case is to talk about it. And, you know, I can relate to that even, you know, as we speak, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, I'm 32 weeks pregnant and I'm imagining how my patience and tolerance is going to be when this little one's here in the not too Mm. distant future where it's already pretty low. I'm fatigued all the time. I've got these two little people, five and a half and three and a half, who need my attention all the time, that are high energy, that, you know, are little masters of their world here. And I'm a little bit anxious about how am I going to be managing them and a newborn at the same time. And Mm. so I'm just trying to talk about it with as many people as I can. I'm talking with friends, I'm talking with my partner, to the point where some of them have, you know, checked in and said, are you actually okay? And I (laughs) I am, you know, I am okay. I'm just being honest. And I think, again, we have to mask or we feel the need to mask our feelings so often like we've got to pretend we've got it all together or we're supposed to have it together but I think anger and frustration goes hand in hand with all of those things you mentioned before the 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 huge change in our lives the loss of all our personal freedoms the loss of identity that can happen when you have a, a new baby and I think as long as we're talking about it, then it sort of takes it outside of our own experience where it can fester and get bigger and bigger if we don't talk about it. And it just sort of normalises it. So talking, I think, with other parents about how you're feeling is really important. Talking with a professional so that you've got your own space to kind of unpack all of those things. I'm always a big advocate you know, I guess as a therapist myself, there's a little bit of a bias, but I do think having someone who's completely there just for you, not not for anyone else, is a really helpful thing. Um, and one of the other things I like to do, and I know this is hard when you're very time poor, but even just journaling some of that stuff can be a little bit scary to see it in black and white. But again, it's just about moving those feelings from inside to outside because the more that we hold it in, the bigger those feelings get and the scarier they get as well. So I think as long as people remember that it's normal to feel angry and frustrated and tense and distressed um, to some degree when you've had a new baby, sharing those thoughts and getting them out of yourself is a huge step towards moving through those feelings. Yeah, definitely. I can definitely attest to two of those things and one would be 
the counsellor, having someone there who's just there for you is, Mm. I mean, it it can be expensive, I understand, but there are are ways you can um, find something affordable. And uh, I've had moments where I've just cried because I'm like, oh, you, you really care about me (laughs) because when you're looking after a family when you're looking Mm. after children and you know you're not the top priority anymore and so sometimes to have that attention back even if you have to pay for it (laughs) is absolutely so amazing and also that um journaling idea is um it's incredible how freeing it can be as you say to shift what you're thinking from inside your head just onto the paper onto the paper it can it's almost like you're purging absolutely those feelings so it's yeah and and again if you can find the time it can be hard but it's definitely worth the effort yeah absolutely and i think another key strategy is and again this is really hard when you're time poor but you've just got to make the time for it is getting outside and going for a walk we forget how cleansing and how healing that is just to be out in the wind and the sun and just feeling part of the world again so even if you've got the baby in a pram or if you can ditch the baby for 20 minutes to half an hour and just be burden free for that Mm. that small slice of time and just go for a walk it doesn't have to be intense exercise but just a little bit of movement and fresh air really goes such a long way to diffusing some of those big feelings. Yeah. Jana, thank you so much for chatting with us today. There's a lot in that that I think people can use. But if you want more, the book is called Embracing Change. Jana, thanks for your time. Thank you so much, Siobhan. It's been a pleasure. Yana is a therapist and host of the podcast, This Curious Life, and I'll put links to her book, Embracing Change, in the notes of this episode. I'm Siobhan Hunt. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, please rate and review us so we can reach and help even more parents. And if you have a topic you'd like me to cover, send your email to feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.